You are listening to the Riverside Community Church Podcast. For more information, visit us at www.riversideconnect.org. Good morning. My name is Donnie, and I serve the student minister here at Riverside. And uh, as Bill was walking down after saying that about Flag Setter, I said, you asking for a, a second sermon this morning? Is that what you're asking for? Uh, flag setter. We are excited about the theme. Um, and the general idea there is that uh, at the core of flag setter is the fact that Jesus climbed up a hill a long time ago and he, he planted a marker flag that we are all welcome to climb to. And he will meet us there every time and provide what we need. And out of that, flows everything else. And of course, we will expand on that theme even more. You can find a Nexus student that's going to to Beach Escape and ask them afterward uh, what we do with the rest of that theme. But we're excited about that and uh, the opportunity to watch God work in some students' lives. Never get sick of that. And uh, so Beach Escape's coming, and thank you for your generosity. Already, we've had scholarship money flowing in Um, to help our students that are unable usually to go to a retreat, don't have the financial resources to do that. Riverside is always incredibly generous when it comes to helping our kids get to these retreats, not just to go to the beach and have fun. And we do have fun. We know how to have fun. But to engage with this most important and precious message and to feed their relationship with Jesus. And um, so thank you for investing into the lives of students. I'm so grateful for that and grateful to be a part of a church that continues year after year to do that. And if you're interested or wondering what the status of that scholarship situation is, uh, feel free to talk to me or email us and we will let you know and um, give you an opportunity if you want to be part of that to do that. But please be praying for it as well, uh, that we have a deeply meaningful time. Uh, together as a Nexus uh, student ministry family um, this summer when we do our beach escape. So, eyes wide open is the theme we've been working on. And the theme verse for this coming out of Proverbs, sensible people keep their eyes glued on wisdom. And as we do every Sunday morning, we're trying to keep our eyes glued on the scriptures. And I think about this all the time, and this morning was no different. I really think, and I believe sincerely, that one of the best things we can do together as people is take time to read God's word and to think about it corporately together. And so I think that what we are doing right now is very good use of your time and my time for us to let God's word sink into our hearts, and specifically the wisdom, part of the wisdom literature of this collection of writings we call the scriptures that we believe that God intentionally and purposefully made sure was preserved for us to have in our laps in many forms this morning so that we could look at it and glean wisdom from the scriptures. And Proverbs is part of we call what we call wisdom literature in the scriptures. And I like to think of Proverbs as a collection of writings that come from different time periods and maybe even from different parts of the world that God has given his stamp of approval and said, this is a collection that I can put my stamp of approval on and I want you to pay attention to this. And the key, the thing that makes the wisdom literature of Proverbs different than so much of the other wisdom literature of the ancient world is that there is a God factor that is integrated into the wisdom of Proverbs that can be found nowhere else. All of the wisdom of Proverbs 
stands on the solid rock of who God is as creator. And for wisdom to be grasped, interpreted, and lived out through Proverbs in the view of of the scriptures, it must be done with our feet planted on the foundation of who God is. And of course, who we know Jesus is. And that makes Proverbs very unique. Um, And I know you're out there reading all of the ancient wisdom literature of the ancient world. And as you do that, you'll notice that difference in Proverbs. Um, So maybe you are. Hopefully you are. So to look at, and there are many subjects. Proverbs almost goes A to Z when it comes to topical subjects that we can apply the wisdom of the scriptures to in life. We're going to focus on one of those um, this morning. And to kind of set the stage for that, I, I recruited a couple volunteers to help me. So Layla and Hosanna, will you come on up and kind of flank me here on either side? And to get a picture in your mind of the subject that we're talking about, um, I want to talk a little bit about generosity. So I'm going to invite these two awesome students that I know very well, have been blessed by their ministry, to come up here. And I want to give them two, two very crisp, brand new, $10 bills. Okay, pretty exciting, right? So I want to simultaneously hand each one of these a $10 bill. So I'm gonna let go of it. You take, that was quick, man. You snapped that back. It's like, I'm taking this. I mean, $10 won't get you a ton, but you know, I don't know, Chick-fil-A, Starbucks. I'm not sure what you guys will do with 10 bucks, an online purchase. I don't know, a game, an app. I don't know. But $10 equally given, Right? The same act of generosity to the person on my right and the person on my left. There's no difference. Except for the fact that no one present today, including Layla and Hosanna, can see what's going on inside of me. They can't see my heart condition. They can't see why I've given them this $10. They probably don't care, do you? (laughs) We can give from a whole lot of different places, many different attitudes and different heart conditions. What we can't see this morning is that I give to Hosanna. My reason for giving to Hosanna is because I want something from her. I want her to look at me favorably. And in the future, when I need something from her, I want to remember this and feel like she owes me and give something back to me when I want it from her. I, I, want, to, I want to manipulate her a little bit. And to kind of being in my corner and being on my side. But just in the act, you can't see that. Maybe I've not been treating Hosanna very well. And I feel guilty. So really, I'm just medicating my guilt by giving Hosanna $10 to alleviate the feelings I have about myself for not treating her well. Now, Layla, on the other hand, as I give $10 to Layla, I'm just feeling grateful feeling the overflow of what God has given me. He's given me so much and he's blessed me so much. And I just, I'm just looking for opportunities, waiting for opportunities to be able to let that spill over into someone's life. And I don't expect anything from Layla. I don't care what she thinks about me or I don't care if she ever pays it back or treats me nicely. You know, I don't, I don't care about any of that. The focus isn't on our relationship necessarily. It's more about me and just feeling grateful toward what God's given me in life. And so it's out of that generosity that God's poured into my life that this is some small thing I can do to bless someone that God's put in my life and allowed me to come across and interact with as as my neighbor. Two very different 
heart conditions. And I would suggest that though it may look the same if we have our eyes wide open, we look deeper, we may may be able to see that our acts of generosity flow from some unhealthy places sometimes, but they can flow from a healthy place. So what I want to work on this morning is is we contrast really healthy generosity and unhealthy generosity. I want to work on the question, what is healthy generosity? That kind of generosity that we should be living our life out of, that will please God, then bless others and keep us healthy. Thank you both very much. Take your, don't try to give it back, not that you would, but you may take your $10 and return to your seats, your crisp $10 bills. Thank you both so much. So as we work on this question, what is healthy generosity? Uh, Let's start by asking the Holy Spirit to help us. Holy Spirit, we do believe that you have intentionally given us these scriptures to grow us, to open our eyes, and to help us, to help us relate to you and to help us relate to all of the people that you've put in our lives. Help us to understand this morning. In Jesus' name, amen. So healthy versus unhealthy generosity. I want to start putting together this picture of healthy generosity this morning by looking at Proverbs chapter 3, verse 9. And this truly is the beginning of generosity. And I think it's important when we, when we talk about a life of generosity, if we're looking for that, if we want that, we have to start at the beginning. The foundation, the unseen, the private part of generosity. Proverbs 3.9 says this, honor the Lord, and allow me please to pause there at the name of the Lord. This is not some generic, unspecified God. That capital L-O-R-D you see in your English translations is his name. It's him, the one who has introduced himself by name to his people. God is real, and he is specific, and he has allowed himself to be approached and to be known. And so the first step in generosity, honor the Lord with your wealth, with the first fruits of all your crops, then your barns will be filled to overflowing and your vats will brim over with new wine. This simple concept that we are able to recognize where all blessing comes from, where life comes from, where goodness comes from, that we are able to see that, recognize it, and acknowledge it first and foremost, by responding, responding to God and honoring him with everything we have and not just our material wealth. We take everything that we have and we submit it to him as an act of acknowledgement of who he is and where all blessing comes from. And this is where generosity begins. It begins with me and God. It begins with you and God. And it says that when we do that, the barns will be filled to overflowing, vats will brim over with new wine and I don't know if any of you have vats at your house. I don't have any vats, but I do understand, I think, what this is communicating. And it's not just so we can get. What I see here is a pattern for generosity. Not until God fills our vats and our barns are we able to give anything to anyone. And I think we as humans have a problem sometimes of approaching generosity 
from a limited capacity and limited supply because we're doing it out of our own flesh, out of our own brokenness, out of our own humanness. We have not yet allowed the creator, the sustainer, the giver of all good gifts, the one that defines what good is, the one who has endless capacity to first fill our lives so that then we can give out of that overflow. Generosity before honoring God, before coming to him, before receiving from him, generosity becomes an exhausting endeavor, a risky endeavor. And it's inconsistent. Only after we first received from him can we ever hope to be generous in the way that we would consider healthy. Ephesians 1, 3 through 7 puts this beautifully. Paul writes to the Ephesians and says, Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us in the heavenly realms with every spiritual blessing in Christ. For he chose us in him before the creation of the world to be holy and blameless in his sight. In love, he predestined us for adoption to sonship through Jesus Christ. In accordance with his pleasure and will, to the praise of his glorious grace, which he has freely given us in the one he loves. In him we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of sins in accordance with the riches of God's grace that he lavished on us. This speaks of the kind of generosity that we all truly need from God and that he freely offers us. Our biggest need, our emptiest vat, our emptiest barn is a life only containing brokenness, only containing sin, never having received forgiveness and love and peace and hope that only our creator and redeemer can give. So when we come to the world without a relationship with God, our barns will always be empty. Our vats will always be broken because we come with only sinfulness and brokenness to offer. And Ephesians so articulately communicates that Jesus stands ready and God through Jesus stands ready to mend those vats and pour in his forgiveness and love. Make us whole, heal us, restore us. Make us what we should be in order that his blessing may exist in us and flow through us to other people. If we skip that part of generosity, at best, our generosity will only be complete. And at worst, the truth of scripture is that without Jesus, there is only darkness. There is only brokenness. There is only selfishness. Our best efforts only produce damage to our relationships in the world around us. And I know that's hard to hear, that the best human effort without God falls so short, but it's the truth of Scripture, and it's the truth of the message. It's why we need God's grace and love so much. And it's why he offers it so freely and lovingly that anyone that comes with broken vats and empty barns and says, God, I realize I'm broken and I need you to fill me. Every time he'll respond, he just waits for us in sincerity and humility to ask and to approach him in that way. 
And he accepts everybody. No matter what we've done, what we're doing, what we thought about doing, he's ready to receive us in that place of openness and sincerity and humility. So I hope if you walk away from today with nothing else, that you will understand, that you will embrace the fact that healthy healthy generosity starts with God. It starts with our creator. It starts with Jesus. That if we want to be generous people, and we see that as an admirable characteristic, that we first approach him from that place of brokenness and allow him to fill us with good things and lavish his love on us. Healthy generosity is a mindset. And it stems from that right and whole relationship with our God. First and foremost, before anything else, healthy generosity responds to God and gives back to God. I I think a good way to look at the scriptures, the scriptures are basically a story of God's generosity and our human response throughout the ages to that generosity. We have a choice for how we respond to that generosity. Greed, on the other hand, comes from an unhealthy and broken relationship with God. When we are not right with God, Like I said, at best, our generosity is incomplete. At worst, it damages and contributes to the horrible brokenness all around us. What the world needs more of is healthy generosity that stems from a relationship with God. And I think that's important to repeat, to stress, to overemphasize that we have to come to Jesus first and get that relationship taken care of before any kind of good can truly flow out of our lives into other people. Proverbs 3, 24, in, in stepping forward and building this picture of healthy generosity, Proverbs 3, 24 through 28 say this. When you lie down, you will not be afraid. When you lie down, your sleep will be sweet. Have no fear of sudden disaster or of the ruin that overtakes the wicked, for the Lord will be at your side and will keep your foot from being snared. Do not withhold good from those to whom it is due when it is in your power to act. Do not say to your neighbor, come back tomorrow and I'll give it to you when you already have it with you now. It's interesting the combination of verses 24 and 25 and 26 with 27 and 28. They could almost at first glance seem to be unrelated. But those first few verses talk about a peace and security that comes from walking with God. When we know him as our creator, when we recognize him as the giver of all good gifts, where love truly comes from, when we recognize Jesus as the source of our redemption and salvation, there comes with that a sense of security that's mind-boggling. We can put our head down on the pillow at night knowing that there's one thing that determines our past, our present, and our future. And it's our creator, God. He purchased our future on the cross for us. Our circumstances are totally under his control. He has limitless resources, limitless wisdom. He knows us, and we can trust him to take care of us. And out of that peace and security that comes from truly resting in the arms of God, the next two verses talk about an open-handedness that is uncommon. That when we find our security in God, when we realize that we have nothing to fear, when we realize he's right next to us, he's at our side, that we're in right relationship with him, we're just loose-gripped on stuff. We're able to give and 
let go of things because we're not trying to take care of ourselves. We're letting God take care of us. We're doing our job and letting him do his. And out of that peace and security can come a type of generosity that can exist nowhere else. A type of generosity that flows out of love and hope and security, not fear and not selfishness. Proverbs 21, 25, the craving of the sluggard. Sluggard is such a good word. It's fun to say, sluggard. Not a word you use every day. The craving of a sluggard will be the death of him because his hands refuse to work. All day long he craves for more, but the righteous give without sparing. So there's a contrast between craving for more and limitless giving. So you've got in this first part there, verse 25, you have someone who kind of lives in a fantasy world, always thinking of these big dreams, but never really doing anything about it. It's wishful thinking. It's maybe a dream that's so big that you can't figure out how to get your hands on it, so you just sit around daydreaming about it. Nothing ever comes of it. And it's just craving and wanting stuff for yourself. Picture you have in your mind that you just pine after endlessly. Contrasted with someone who lives a steady life of righteousness, and it says that that righteous person gives without sparing. An open-handedness that is comprehensive toward everybody, toward the entire world around them. And it seems limitless because it's fueled by righteousness and not the craving of selfishness and wishful thinking. So healthy generosity is a general posture toward all people stemming from a right relationship with God. Generosity reveals righteousness, just like greed reveals brokenness and sin. Generosity reveals where we put our trust and our hope, just as greed reveals an incomplete, broken relationship with God and insecurity. Healthy generosity is like, I like to think of it as kind of like a catcher's mitt that we just catch life through. Whatever comes our way, whoever we see, we're just willing to be generous, open, honest, and giving to whoever it is, people in need, people not, money, time, advice, whatever we have, we just generally approach the world like God does, generously. To our neighbor, to someone we know, someone we don't know, to a family member, to a friend, doesn't matter. It's just the way we interact with humans. It's like a life seasoned with salt, and that salt is generosity. That's righteousness, and that's healthy generosity. Do we have that posture as we go out and planned and unplanned, as we just kind of go about our day? Does that kind of generosity that just is a natural outflow of our righteous relationship with God, is that the kind of generosity that marks us, characterizes our lives? That kind of generosity can only be fueled by a relationship with Jesus. Proverbs eleven twenty four. moving forward in this idea of what healthy generosity is. Proverbs eleven twenty four through 26 says this. One person gives freely, yet gains even more. Another withholds unduly, but comes to poverty. A generous person will prosper. Whoever refreshes others, I love that. Whoever refreshes others will be refreshed. People curse the one who hoards grain, but they pray God's blessing 
on the one who is willing to sell. So basically, you shouldn't have too much oatmeal sitting in your cupboard, I guess. Or like, is bran grain? I don't know. Not too, much, too many bran flakes, too many Wheaties. Go home, check your covers, make sure there's not a lot of cereal in there that's made out of grain. That's not the point of this. Um, you can have a few things of oatmeal and not feel guilty about it. What strikes me about this is the fact that it highlights, no matter how much in our humanness that we do, we somehow end up empty all the time. But when God is our reservoir for all good things, it says the generous person will prosper. And that word prosper to me is more than just finances. At a quick reading, that could seem like the generous person gets good stuff. And I think it's more than that. To prosper is a healthy life. It far exceeds material wealth and possessions. The generous person will prosper and health will be present in their lives. And I love that idea of refreshing other people. Man, wouldn't it be awesome if we could just be refreshing to people that we come in contact with? As opposed to all the other things that sometimes can happen, flowing out of a broken life. People curse the one who hoards grain. This is kind of this idea that you got some people that kind of like, you know, they'll hoard the grain and wait until the price goes up so that they can let it go at a higher price to make a better bottom line. And what Proverbs is communicating here is that it's fine to do business and to make money and to make a living, but the idea here is that fairness, integrity, and care for people should be the headline. That our primary concern should be obedience, should be honoring God by taking care of people, and it's okay to make a living and to support yourself as well. And I love that balance there. And that's considered here to be generosity. And then, Proverbs nineteen seventeen: Whoever is kind to the poor lends to the Lord. Let me pause at that comma. That's an interesting metaphor. Think about that idea of lending to the Lord. That's interesting. So wait. So if I am kind to the poor, which is also interesting terminology, it's not even saying specifically there I'm giving something to the poor. It's saying be kind to them, which is more than just an action of giving something. That's comprehensive. It's love. It's action, but it's love and a way of treating someone with dignity and respect. Whoever does this lends to the Lord. So it's almost like I'm handing Jesus a $20 bill and I'm saying, I'm going to let you have this for a while. I'm going to lend it to you. That's an interesting concept, lending to the Lord. So then the question becomes, when you're lending to someone, I mean, what's the question? Can they pay it back? So if we lend, if when, whenever we give something to someone in need, we're lending to the Lord, is he able to pay that back? If we're not given to them and we're given to him, is God the owner of everything, the giver of every good gift, the creator of the universe, the sustainer of life, the one who climbed up that hill and gave his life for us, is he willing to pay that back? And is he able? Wow. I would suggest that not only is he able, but did he already pay that back? Can he do anything more for me than handing my life back to me? Stained by sin? Broken and incomplete? Need he do any more to pay me back than climb up that hill with my sin on his back? 
and purchase my freedom and my future? He never does another thing for me. I I could never possibly give enough to catch up with that. I think it's a safe bet that you can lend to the Lord and not be concerned about the return. I love that verse. Whoever is kind to the poor lends to the Lord and he will reward them for what they have done. Makes me think of Matthew 25, 40, where Jesus speaking of himself says, the king will reply, truly I tell you, whatever you did for one of the least of these brothers and sisters of mine, you did it for me. The love that we have for people certainly flows out of our relationship with God, but honestly, the best kind of generosity has nothing to do with the people that we're giving to. First and foremost, it has to do with me and God. And I respond to you as a response to God, that no matter who you are, what you've done or haven't done for me, I give to you freely because of what God has given to me. It's not about you. It's about you in that God has given me a love for you that I couldn't have without him, but it's mostly about giving in response to him so that there's nothing on you. You don't have to be any kind of person. I'm going to give to you. I'm going to help you. I'm going to give of myself to you because of who God is to me and to all of us in hopes that you will find that same hope and peace that I've found. When we do it to one of the least of these, it's like we're doing it to him. The best way to view being generous healthy generosity stemming from a right relationship with God reaps blessing. And it said in that first Proverbs passage we just read there that people prayed for the one who was willing to sell. So God blesses us, but also blessing flows. He, he blesses us through other people. When we're generous, we're kind, people pray for us. And honestly, I don't know about you, but I'd rather someone be concerned for my spiritual needs and pray for me than give me something back. The blessing flows back to us at God's hand directly through his hand and and through other people. I want to end with a few verses that are much more pointed, much more sharp, much more intense on this subject. And they come out of Proverbs. Proverbs 21, 13, and you'll see the sting here. Very different tone. Whoever shuts their ears to the cry of the poor will also cry out and not be answered. Wow. Wow. That's different. Proverbs 28, 8, and 9. Whoever increases wealth by taking interest or profit from the poor amasses it for another who will be kind to the poor. If anyone turns a deaf ear to my instruction, even their prayers are detestable. We got the ears covered. What about the eyes? Proverbs 28, 27. Those who give to the poor will lack nothing, but those who close their eyes to them receive many curses. It's hard to dodge those warnings there. Why so harsh? Why so sharp? God cares about this. He takes it so seriously that there is an attachment of a negative reaction to those who refuse to respond to those in need out of the generosity God has allowed in their lives. For those who are concerned for the wisdom that comes from God, for those who have been recipients of God's generosity to close their ears and eyes to those in need is detestable to God. Makes him really upset. Bothers him. Turns his stomach. 
I'm thankful that he says this. I need to know how important this is to him because I'm concerned for what God's concerned about. I don't see this as something to make me scared. I see these verses as something to keep me alert and remind me of what I need to be doing. So more than just a general posture toward the world, healthy generosity is a specific action toward those in need stemming from a right relationship with God. It means we're intentional. It means we seek out those who are in need. We seek out the hurting and the broken. We don't just wait for it to come to us like that general posture we have toward the world. We go looking for the broken. And when we hear that cry and when we see that need, we jump into action because we know God cares about this. And we don't do it out of guilt. We look at those in need and say, God cares about these people. He's concerned that this happens. People have value because God says they do. And he made them to have value. And I'm going to respond to that by acting on it. And he expects all of us to act on that. And that's why I think these are worded so sharply. Because God gave, I give. One time in almost 25 years of student ministry, was riding with a student one time who had a pretty horrible life situation going on and we were working on that together. As we were driving, I'll never forget it, we were coming through Verona and it was night and I was exhausted. And out of nowhere, he's 14 years old. I'm thinking of 14 year olds, how deeply do they think? <laughs> never had anyone ask me this. It was quiet for a minute and he said, why are you doing this? I was tired. I was like, man, I'm not really feeling philosophical right now. (laughs) Why are you doing this for me? And I said, you know, I'm doing this because Jesus wants me to. And because Jesus sent some people to do this for me. And I'm doing this for you because he wants me to. And I can honestly tell you that if it wasn't for him, I wouldn't be doing this. Because I'd only care about myself, unfortunately. And I probably just want to be comfortable and kind of insulated from a lot of this stuff. So why am I doing this? I know this sounds cliche. It's Jesus. He wants me to help you. And I love him. And I love you too. And it was just silent for the rest of the ride. But it made me think, why am I doing this? What heart is this flowing out of? It matters. Whether it's healthy or unhealthy, it matters. And it matters to God. So the thing, and there's always a thing with me, live a life of healthy generosity stemming from a right relationship with God. Let God give you that mindset, that attitude, that posture toward the world that he loves. And if it comes from Jesus, it points to him. Greed comes from us, so it points to us. But generosity that comes from God It always shows Jesus to the world because it truly comes from him first. And I would encourage you, those of you who are generous, but you don't have a relationship with God, I would encourage you to embrace the only good reason to be generous. And I do believe that God is the only good reason to really be generous. Because without him, none of it matters. He makes life matter. He makes my life matter. He makes people matter. He makes the future matter. When I invest in a person, I invest in something eternal. 
There's not much eternal you can invest in. People are it. So I encourage you, if you don't have a relationship with God, embrace the best reason to be generous and come to Jesus. So the question today is a result of what we have read together, is a result of what we've looked at together, what should you pray? As a result of reading these scriptures together and thinking about these things, what should you think some more about? What should you leave here with on your mind? And as a result of what we've read, what should you do? I would encourage you that if you don't have a relationship with Jesus, there's nothing better and more important than you can ever do than in sincerity and honesty to just talk to him and invite him into your brokenness, invite him into your life. Be honest with him. Tell him you're confused. Tell him you don't get it all. Tell him you have doubts. Tell him you have struggles. Tell him what you're upset about. But meet him at the cross where the ugliness of sin and the love of God collide. Just be honest with him. I can't promise you a lot of things, but if you do that, He'll, he'll meet you every time in that place of sincerity and honesty. And there's nothing like the hope and the peace and security that flow out of that relationship of just grabbing his hand and asking him to take you the rest of the way. Maybe there are some of you here that need to just say, hey God, I've, I've messed this up. I've gone off track. I do that many times a week. I've messed up in this area and I just want to be honest about that. I, I, I need with your help to, to get into a, a right spot. Maybe that's your prayer today. And we can't do this on our own so maybe your prayer today is Holy Spirit, I have no hope of going out there even with my knowledge of you and doing this right. Holy Spirit, I need power. Power that I don't have. Send me your power as a gift to go out into this world and to do, do powered generosity, empowered generosity, a kind that makes a difference that doesn't come from me, but as the fuel of you, Holy Spirit, behind it. That's a great prayer to pray today. Let's pray together. God, I pray for all of those who are, who are participating in this prayer right now as they reach out to you and say the most important thing that anybody could say as they say, God, forgive me. Jesus, will you take my hand? I pray they, they would feel that flood of mercy, that they would feel you taking their hand, that they would feel your love and your healing and your goodness in a new way, in a supernatural way. For those who reach out and ask for forgiveness, I pray you would grant it out of your, your limitless grace as you always do that you would grant that forgiveness and help us to get on the right track in this area and all other areas where we need to get back on track. And God, for those who pray for power, Holy Spirit, would you grant out of your limitless power strength to those who ask for you to take their generosity and move it to a place they could never have it on their own. And through the generosity of all of us who love you and know you individually, but also corporately as a church, through that generosity, may the world see who you are. 
May the world be able to see you more clearly and see that as an invitation to know you and to walk with you. We want your light in our lives, God. You're all that matters. Help us to be the people you want us to be. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you for listening to the Riverside Community Church Podcast. For more information, visit us at www.riversideconnect.org.